Hope you guys are doing great. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 3. You can go ahead and, 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 and find that spot. Pretty easy to get to. First book of the Bible, third chapter. Uh, we've been talking about some really good things. And unfortunately today I have some bad things to talk about. Okay. Um, I, I want to start by saying that my freshman year at Gardner-Webb University, I had 15 credit hours. And I had uh, English and I don't mean to brag, but I got an A. <laughs> and I had college algebra, and I didn't really, they didn't do well in math in high school. It was really hard for me, but uh, I got an A. And uh, world civilization, I got an A in that, and then health and PE, and oh yeah, I got an A in that. And Old Testament, intro to Old Testament, hold the door, I got an F. So, we're in the Old Testament, and I happen to be one of your pastors, and I have to let you know that I had four A's and an F my freshman year of college, and that F happened to be in the Old Testament. So you could tell that what I did was I failed, and failing is not fun. Amen? It's not fun. But you see, life has a lot of tests. Life, God uses tests to help us. The Bible is full of tests. Are you going to believe or are you not going to believe? I mean, um, a test is to measure our, our, our knowledge, our ability to have resolve. Uh, what do we know? What are we going to do? You have to take a test to get your driver's license. You have to take a test to get a job. You have to take a test to graduate college, several tests to do that. And then there's just life that has a bunch of maybe planned, random tests all through the filter of God's hands. So we know that God uses those tests to help us know what we believe and how we're going to stand and how we're going to live and how we're going to obey. So we have tests, so it's a biblical pattern and what we're going to see in our series um, called Snake Crusher Wanted is we're going to be introduced to a test. And that topic of a test is going to be seen from now till the end of Genesis 11, really, when we get there. And so here we have. And so what do we, what do we see? I, I, I'm in good company because like Adam, uh, I failed an Old Testament test. <laughs> Um, and so today we're going to try to figure out how do we not fail that test. And so I want us to take a look at a couple of things first. Before we take a look at the test and we take a look at what took place, there's just really two things that I want to see as we work through the text. I'm going to give, it, I'm going to give them to you up front. The first thing, and I don't think that it's going to be a surprise to you, but the snake wants us to fail the test. That's what he wants to do. The snake wants us to fail the test. And then number two, which is an often quoted, uh, it's a quote that has been around for a long time. And to be honest with you, I should have researched a little bit more. I found it said by Greg Laurie, but I don't think it originated with him. But here is what the quote says. And I, I, I want to give it to you because it will shape how we look at Genesis Chapter 3, verses 1 through uh, 13. 
And it says the sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you want to pay. Maybe you have heard that. Maybe you have tweeted that. It's been around for a long time, but sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. And so what I want you to do is I want you to keep those things in mind as we look at Genesis chapter 3, where we see the first test. Satan wants us, the snake wants us to fail the test, and sin is causing us to be distracted by what we're here for. So, and it causes us to believe lies about God, his word, his desire for our life. And so why don't we jump in to Genesis chapter 3, and we'll go ahead and we'll start with verse 1. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, you have, if you've been in church for a long time, this might be a very familiar text, and my prayer has been for this week is that, you know, we would see it in a fresh way, that God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, would open our eyes to see things that maybe we haven't seen before, that we'd be encouraged to stand and, and, to, and to walk through and to endure these tests that do come our way. Because like Adam and Eve, there are tests in our life. What are we going to believe? Who are we going to believe? How are we going to stand? Let's take a look in Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? So what image comes to your mind when we think of Satan? Is it, I have a pitchfork and I have horns and I'm coming for you? Well, it says that he's crafty, so most likely we have to understand that Satan does not come saying, I'm Satan and I'm coming to tempt you. Usually comes in, in, in a disguise because he's crafty. The Bible teaches us that Satan was created by God on the sixth day. Satan in the cosmos of God's heavenly realm. He and a host of his angels fell. And so we have Satan and his demons. And so here's where we are. He's a personal being who... Who we, knew, who we know from the text is a great deceiver. He's the arch enemy of God. And 1 Peter 5, 8 says that he roams about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is crafty, he's a deceiver, he's a liar, and he's out to devour us. And so Satan challenges right from the get-go. Everything was beautiful. Our life group this past week went around the room and talked about, hey, what about God's creation do you love the most? And we talked about mountains and sunsets and beaches, and it was beautiful. And here we see everything was good, and then all of a sudden, Satan comes in in his craft, and he looks at the first woman, Eve, and he says, did God actually say that? Did God actually say that? He challenges the word of God right from the beginning. Sometimes, like even today, the word of God is challenged in great ways. One of the ways I think the word of God is challenged by 
Well, salvation is a way, but you know, there's a lot of different ways. In the culture that we live in, that's very popular in Hindu belief that we have talked about a couple of weeks ago. Satan certain, or God can be just one of the 350 million. But the scripture teaches that God is the only way that we, the only way that we get to the Father is through Jesus. There's not, he's not a way, he is the way. Marriage is redefined and questioned from scripture. And so here is this issue right now that Satan, who is crafty, it's the serpent, the snake comes in and he challenges God's word right from the get-go. In verse 2, let's keep going. And the woman said to the serpent, she's going to answer the question, as you know, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What was told to her is that you can eat of every tree. You can eat of the apples. You can eat of the peaches. You can eat of, you can eat of every tree. There's all kinds of things. I don't like pineapple, by the way, so I'm going to hold off on the pineapple tree. I don't like pineapple. I know that's a... But, but he, he basically, God said, you can meet of every. And so here, all of a sudden, Eve is, said, Eve is in the garden, and she says, well, the woman says, you may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. What God said up in verse 2, verse 26, I believe, you can eat of every. So there's danger when we omit things from God's word, and we misquote. And then you keep on going. Verse 3 says, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Oh, and neither shall you touch it lest you die. Well, here is something that just happened. She not only omitted something, but she added something to it because it was never said you can't touch or you never said you could touch it lest you die. There is an adding of the word of God. Anytime we add and subtract to God's word, it's incredibly dangerous. It's very evident to me that Eve did not have Northwest kids in her life. Hashtag, we have the best children's ministry on the planet. The New City Catechism, Northwest kids, Laird and Teresa and Robin and Matthew and Ed and Kevin and Courtney and Connie and Kristen and Christine and Jennifer. Hashtag, Northwest ministry rocks. They know the word. We're teaching them the word. Um, Eve is sitting here saying, I'm going to add to it. I'm going to subtract from it. Well, let me ask you a question right now as we look at this part of the text. What are you currently adding to the word of God? To make the situation that you're going through easier to digest. Here's one for the students, okay? Yep, you're all going to look at me right now. Here's one for you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on his own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him after I go to college and he will direct your paths. Adding to the word of God, right? I'm going to serve God after I get out of school. I'm going to serve God when I get married. Here's some things that we want to be careful that we believe in what God teaches and believe the word. And so here comes the serpent, verse 4. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Verse 5. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, 
knowing good and evil. The snake comes out of the gate and right off the bat questions the word of God, but then just simply says, it, it says in Genesis 1 and 2, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's very good. Everything he made was good. And then Satan, the snake, comes and says, he's a liar. Questions not only the word, but questions his character. It's not good. He questions the character of God, and he questions the word of God, challenges those things. Hey, Eve, I need to let you know something. He's holding something back from you. Let me ask you a question. Are you believing that right now? That the God of the universe is holding something back from you. Because if he is, it's good for you that he's holding it back. But, but, but here is this issue of God is not good and he's not faithful and he shouldn't be obeyed. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He, he, Satan is not someone who, Satan is telling us that God is not someone that can be trusted. The snake is telling us that. Verse 6, what does it say? And so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, oh my gosh, it looks good. So it must be good. And that it was a delight to the eyes. Mm, it's attractive. It's pretty. And that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. It would make me smarter and intellectual and have wisdom. She took of its fruit and ate. And she, and she also gave some to her husband. Oh, don't miss this, guys. You know this. Who was with her and he ate. So a couple of things about this part right here that we have to ask is Satan doesn't tempt us with sleazy things or unattractive things. There are things that are often good that he corrupts. The, the apple was nutritional. It was pretty. It looked nice. It was made, her, made smart. The snake wants you and me to fail the test. And he challenges God's word by placing doubt in our heads and challenges his goodness. And the one thing that just jumped out to me this week is I've got to ask the question that I'm not really quite sure if there's a study out there that talks about the size of the Garden of Eden or how big it was or, you know, miles or feet or whatever it was. I don't know that we know that or not. But what I do know is that there are a lot of trees and you could eat of anything else but not this one. And Eve finds herself along with her husband Standing to the very tree they're not supposed to take of. And sometimes I think that what we do in life is we stand next to things that God says, flee, don't entertain that, run away from that, stay away from that. Why were they so close to the thing that God said is not for you? And I think it's important for you and I to realize is there something in my life that I'm standing next to that God has already said no? And I'm just wanting to see how close I can get without getting burned. There's many things that you have to take a look at. I mean, either standing close to that tree, she could reach up and grab it. She saw it. 
she partook of it. And then Adam, and if you remember the story very clearly, Eve was not on the scene when God gave Adam the instructions of what to eat and not to eat. Adam was responsible for giving this to his wife. He was responsible for leading her. But what he did was sit beside her. So in the scripture, it says that Eve was deceived, but sin came into the world through Adam. That's where, where we look at the failure of, of, of leading and believing the wrong, the wrong things. He, he failed the test. And so I would ask you again, what are you standing next to that God has said, don't touch or don't take? Are you positioned to pass or fail this test because of where you're standing? Verse 7. The eyes, the, eyes of, of, um, the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made, made, made themselves loincloths. So everything in the world has changed because of what just happened right here. The struggle that you and I have is based off of this right here. The failure of that test. Their eyes are open. So I'll read the statement that we um, had in the beginning. Is Remember, Satan, the, the snake, wants us to fail the test. But also, sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you want to pay. They failed the test. This verse sh shares that everything changed. Number one, first and foremost, their relationship between a good God changed. It was fractured. That relationship changed. Because in Genesis chapter 2, verse 27, I believe it's at 27, I'm sorry, 25, it says, And the man and his wife were both naked and unashamed. And what that means is that there was no interruption of perfect and beautiful worship between the creation and the creator. There was nothing that was fracturing them. Their focus was on him. That's what was going on. When sin entered the world, that relationship was fractured. And so all of a sudden they took you know, leaves and loincloths. And the only way you get a loincloth is you kill one of God's good creatures to get the hide from the, from, from the animal. And so death entered the world through that decision right there, that failure. And so in, as a result of that, you and I are not just, oh boy, affected by sin. We are born into the world dead people. That's who we are. God bless you. <laughs> That's who we are. We are born dead people. And Ephesians chapter 1 says that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. And there is nothing in the world that we can do about that. And so what did that sin affect? It affected not only did it affect that relationship of worship of God. It affected the relationships that we have down here. It affected every single relationship that we have. We, we oh, did, did I say that too strong? Uh, um, did I say that out loud? <laughs> did, did I, did I, oh, did, I was, was I confrontational? Was I too confrontational? Oh, I was too angry. All of our relationships are fractured. Most importantly, the key relationship 
with our Father who created us, who is good. Food has been affected. Clothes have been affected. What we worship has been affected. So instead of worshiping this God and creator who is good, now what we do is we try to fulfill that with something other that it pales into comparison. And we're in desperate need of a snake crusher. So what we worship is wrong. And here's a couple of things that we worship. We worship ourselves more than anything in the world. What we look at in the mirror is the number one thing that gets in the way of our worship. So instead of worshiping the creator, the number one thing we worship is ourselves. Another thing we worship is we worship others. Their applause. Oh, that, that, that hurts. I struggle in that area. Often, sometimes stronger than others. We worship what the world has to offer. We worship the job. We worship the family. We worship the things, the money, the, the, the opportunities. We worship those things. And another thing we do is we worship religion. Those are things that we now have replaced because of this unbelievable fracture that has taken place you know i i walk around with this thing all day long every day it's called an insulin pump they didn't have that in the garden of eden we do now cancer sicknesses health problems those things have been greatly affected so we look at verse we look at it and we say that hey Here's what I'm going to do. This is what Adam and Eve decide to do right now. They looked at it and they're just like, we're naked and unashamed. What are we going to do? And here is the biggest thing that they do or they try to do and what we try to do. Listen, guys, this is us. We try to fix the problem. Adam and Eve, what did they do? Well, you know what? Let's go kill this animal and, and, and cover up. Let's use fig leaves and let's cover. Let's fix the problem. And, and, and one of the things that we often try to do, well, there's a problem in our hearts, and it is. And it is, it is sin, and that answer is not ourselves in religion and other people in the, what the world has to offer. But oftentimes what we're doing because of this sin that's come into the world is that we are trying to fix this problem. And Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. The result of that decision is that we are spiritually dead. That's the result of that decision. We're spiritually dead. In verse 8, it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? So have you ever played, um, have you ever played hide and seek with a two-year-old? Okay, dad, you count to 10 and I'm going to go hide. You turn around and they're like. <laughs> ready? Ready. Oh, where are they? Where can they be? 
I'm not sure I can see you. Oh, I found you. That's the way we play with God. We're not hiding from him. We're talking about the God of the universe. And Adam and Eve are sitting there going, whoops, I'm going to go hide from him. And then he asks a question, where are you? Listen, we're talking about the God of the universe. He knows where they are. That is an invitation for them to come and repent and, and make things right. You come to me to fix the problem. That's how this thing is going to work. Where are you? Where are you? And they are hiding. I remember I was, a, um, maybe some of you have heard me say this before, but I was an intern for the Shelby Police Department. And, uh, oh, oh yeah, I know that. Anyway, so at that time, so uh, they said, hey, we're, we're, we're going to take you out on the K-9 unit and we're going to see if you can go upstairs in a school and you can hide from Elvis the German Shepherd <laughs> and we're going to see if he can find you. And I'm like, just, they said, just go up on the second floor with Captain Smith and go up there and hide and we're going to see how long it takes Elvis to come get you. And they had stopwatches and all this kind of stuff for an abandoned school. And I'm like, oh, gosh, this is unbelievable. So we hid in the bathroom on the second floor of this old school. And, uh, you know, count, we're counting to three, and we're going to let the dogs out. That was before the song. And uh, um, um, some of you got that. Yeah. Um, and they, they let the dogs out. You just, you just hear them, the, the nails on that thing. And, you know, in one minute and 42 seconds, Elvis had bitten the doorknob off of the bathroom. <laughs> and I was like, he found me. He found me. Here's the God of the universe. We're not hiding. It's like a two-year-old playing hide-and-go-seek. We're not hiding from our creator. No matter what we believe, we must stop hiding. He wants us to come to him, not run from him. Verse 10. Verse 10. And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So we have uninterrupted worship to doubting his word, to doubting his character, to trying to fix the problem, to killing an animal, to hiding, and now I am afraid of you when we just saw that you were good. In verse 11, he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you not... Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to? Hey, he knows they did. Again, it's giving them an opportunity to own sin. First, not blame sin. So here's another failure. And it's the worst thing in, <laughs> it's the worst response that's ever been recorded. And it is the absolute Worse excuse for marriage counseling, marriage, uh, a thriving marriage that has ever lived. Verse 12, the man said, the woman whom you gave me to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. So let me just tell you something. This woman that you gave me. So it's like I'm coming after you. I'm it's like, what is Adam believing right now? Listen, I'm serious. Adam's believing that he's God. Because you know what? This, you gave me this woman, and I know better, and this is the whole problem we're in right now. I'm not just blaming Eve. I'm blaming God. 
And here's the issue with our sin. And we're, we, we need to work this out right here. I have a family of six people living under one roof, and every single one of us are sinners. And I will tell you that my entire family, praise God, has a relationship with Jesus. But what is important in our home is, number one, to own our sin and not blame others for our sin. And we talk about this every week. Well, he made me, or she made, or... Uh, Blaming other people for our sin. We must own our sin. We must confess our sin and ask for forgiveness from the other person. Here's what Adam leads us to do. Adam leads us to believe in his failure that he is better than God. Because God is the one who tripped everybody up. So Eve blamed the same. And let me ask you a question. When it comes to your sin, is there someone right now you're blaming? Is there someone that just comes to your mind where you just go, man, it's their fault. Listen, I know that many of you probably had a really, really bad dad. And God will take care of that. And they are certainly responsible for a lot of things. But what we want to do is to be careful that what we do is we just own what we need to own. Here's, this, here's the issue. Let's summarize right now as we sort of land the plane here. The snake wants us to fail. And how does he try to get us to fail? Well, he challenges the love of God. God doesn't love you or he wouldn't do this for you. Challenges the word, challenges our worship, and challenges his goodness. All of those things is what the snake is trying to do to get us to fail. Adam and Eve are sitting in this garden, and they failed the test. And so sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. And so here's the question I have to ask you right now. What do we do in the meantime? What do we do in the meantime? What do we do in the meantime? Well, when you fail a class in college that is required, you have to take it again. So, Dr. Carson, Dr. Logan Carson, went to Shaw University, got a PhD in Old Testament. He came to Gardner-Webb University and for 27 and a half years as a blind African-American professor taught the Old Testament to many students. And then he left there and he went to Southeastern Seminary and he taught there for another 20 years. And Dr. Carson would take his Bible, Braille Bible, and he would put it on his lap like this and he would stand in front of our class an intro to Old Testament at Garden Web University, and he would rock back and forth like this, and he would preach Jesus in the Old Testament. And he would rock, and he would tell us, and he would rock, and he would tell us. And then he would finish and go, that's the point! And then he would look at it and he would say, Michael Bashirs, put away your pillow. And we would all freak out. How did he know that Mike Bashirs is sleeping in Old Testament class? 
is a gift. And so I got to, I got to retake the test. And I passed. I got an A. And the God of the universe, no matter what Satan wants, wants you to pass the test. He doesn't want you to fail like Satan does. So, to get us to that point, what are you doubting about God's word right now that would cause you to fail the test? What, is, what, is you, what are you doubting about God's word? What sin are you trying to cover up right now? Proverbs 28, 13 says, He who covers his sin, God is going to uncover it, but he who uncovers, God, I repent. God says by the blood of Jesus, I'm going to cover that. That's what he says he's going to do. What are you standing too close to that's not wise? Is it alcohol? Is it a show that you're watching? Is it a moral issue? Is it a friend group that, man, you're standing really close and they're not building you up at all? What are you taking that God says not to take? We know there is a snake crusher, that we know that there is a snake, and he wants you to fail, and we know that he must be crushed. And I know one thing, I'm not the snake crusher, and neither are you. And next week, chapter 3, verse 15, we're going to really jump in to the introduction of the snake crusher. His name begins with Jesus and ends in Christ. Amen? God does not want us to fail the test. There is a snake crusher. He is coming. There is a snake to be crushed. Let us not entertain him. Spend too much time questioning be drawn away from the king who loves us because he's good. I love you guys. Let's pray. Lord, I love you and I thank you for this day and I thank you for the opportunity to talk about you and to just be in the word today and I pray that Lord Jesus that you would help us to realize that there is a giant fracture in our relationship that cannot be healed by our good works, by our religion, by other people, by our hard work. It is a fracture. It is, it, we are dead and we need to be alive and only you can do that. And we're grateful that next week we can talk about that. Even after this afternoon, we can talk about that. So Lord, I pray for anyone in here right now that God, if they do not know you, I pray they would come to know you and recognize that you are good and that you forgive and that you save. Help us this week to own our sin and not blame others for our sin. And recognize that we are, we are here to worship you, not worship ourselves. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.